Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Richard has mentioned my name already. It is Fred. And by God's grace, I'm the host of the podcast. Because Richard is so smart, he has already invited you to contact us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, feel free to write us. And I will and do pray for you. Thank you again for listening. We are in the midst of discussing the elements of prayer. And it has been pointed out here on the podcast and actually in many other places that every lengthy biblical prayer has four elements. Confession, we've looked at. Worship, we've looked at. Thanksgiving, we're looking at now. And intercession. And that has been said because it's true. For today, we had planned to look today at Thanksgiving again, concentrating on the biblical passages which exemplify Thanksgiving God's people or from God's people. But as we've talked before, great joy comes to me when, I, when I'm doing the podcast and when I'm researching and even on the closer and closer examination of prayer and the knowledge about prayer and, and the facets of prayer are becoming more and more real to me. I don't mean real, but known to me. And the depths of prayer are much deeper than I'd ever thought before. All that being said, I had to ask some friends to pray that this episode didn't get out of hand. I'm not sure their prayers were answered. Because when I was preparing for the episode, I wanted, as odd as it may sound, to define gratitude. Sometimes we may have a little different shade to the words that we use or the words that we hear. When I was at my last job doing corporate training, there was one task that had a bypass button. We were never supposed to use it because it bypassed verification and everybody's worried about privacy. We wanted to be keep everybody's privacy safe, but we weren't supposed to use that button. In that same task, though, if you couldn't verify the very first question, all you had to do was st- hit the OK button and it would take you to the next step. And one day I was doing some uptraining on the systems and I mentioned that we never hit that bypass button. One of the seasoned agents had quite a reaction, and it was very loud and actually very fearful because she had, she had said she had been told to bypass before. And so we went around on that because she should never have been told to hit that bypass button. And she was getting more and more worried and getting more and more animated as the discussion went on. And finally, I stopped and I stepped the conversation back and made sure we were talking about the same thing. And as it turns out, we were not. Her understanding of our normal processes were when she heard bypassing, 
She just meant to go to the next step. She wasn't hitting that little button that we weren't supposed to hit. She was going to the next step. So once we were able to define what we were talking about, we were actually in agreement and saying the same things. And now her fears had been allied some because we obviously weren't talking about the same thing. I was just talking about that little button which we were to never hit. So sometimes we need clarification. And so today, in an effort for clarification, and also to bolster some of the conclusions that I'm going to come up with, or one of them, I looked in the Oxford Dictionary, and part of the definition for gratitude is readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So it's that feeling of appreciation. And then kindness, the Oxford Dictionary also de defines as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. So someone has done something friendly, generous, or considerate, and we express thanks for that generosity or consideration. I believe that all makes sense to us. And then I went to the website vocabulary.com, and I found the line, you, you are, you are pleased by what someone did for you, and also pleased by the results. So for gratitude, it's that pleasing feeling that we have towards someone who did something for us. Now, the kindness is normally done without the thought of payback. And very often, the kindness is done because the one who receives the kindness isn't actually even able to pay back. So that's not an expected part of this process. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary adds the thought of appreciation and thanks to God or some deity, which is going to help on later as well. And that concept of appreciation is going to help us to define what we're talking about and to qualify what we're talking about. Gratitude, then, is appreciation of something someone purposely does for another person. And I was thinking about the episode this time and our call to thanksgiving and I was going through those passages going through those verses and as Christians we are called to great thankfulness to our God and Savior and it occurred to me that thanksgiving in reality is exclusively Christian activity it really is it'll take a minute but you can hear me out and I'm not talking about appreciation I'm talking about thanksgiving real thanksgiving and when you condense the concept of thanksgiving in a general sense, it's a reaction to another for something they've done. That's a repetition of what we talked about. Christians, the something done for us that results in our, our thankfulness is obviously knowledge of him and salvation. For unbelievers and adherents of false religions, there is actually no real reason for thanksgiving. Our favorite theologian, Jonathan Edwards, talked about two types of thanksgiving. He talked about natural gratitude, and he defined natural gratitude as a general appreciation of specific good things in life. I told you that was going to come into play. So when we hear a beautiful or moving song, or we see a sunset or a sunrise that moves us as well, we have a feeling of appreciation. Jonathan Edwards called that natural gratitude. And all people have that. And when another person, as we've seen, grants us that kindness or a kindness, we have that feeling towards them of appreciation for what they've done. That's also natural gratitude, as Edwards would say. Now, when we grow up, and this is just an illustration of appreciation, when we grow up, we have a tendency when we're little 
and young to believe that everybody's life experience is the same as ours. What we experience, what our home life is like, we, we don't know any better. We imagine that is that same for our friends as well. And when I was a boy, I had a friend who we, we know we did some stuff together, just kind of running around stuff as young boys. But he did some self-destructive things, and he did other things that got him into trouble. And I never really understood that. But as I got older, what I found out was that his dad was abusive and didn't treat him or his sister or his mom very well. And learning that caused me to be appreciative of my life because it was sort of the realization that things could be different, things could be bad in a family. And in contrast to my friend, because of his contrast, because of his situation, I was able to appreciate my home life better. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about appreciation and appreciate. And it comes across sometimes as thankfulness, but in the world, as we will see, it is appreciation is a better, a more precise definition. So we have the natural grat- uh, gratitude that we have in life and for things, for what's going on in our lives. And he also talked then, Jonathan Edwards did, of what he called gracious gratitude. And he defined gracious gratitude as being thankful for who God is, that there is a God and for who he is. He also mentioned this gracious thanksgiving or gracious gratitude is not natural to men, but supernatural. The way we're built as mankind is we don't seek after God. So this gracious gratitude would have to be supernatural because God first has to reveal himself to us, make himself known, and then we go from there as far as getting to know him better and better. Edwards also called the difference between the two, he called gracious gratitude rational rather than conditional. So natural gratitude is conditional. Gracious gratitude is rational. And so we see in gracious gratitude that our thanksgiving is due to God, no matter what our circumstances are. And that's why Edwards was able to say one is rational. That's the supernatural. That's the gracious gratitude. And the other is natural because we commonly have those feelings of appreciation for the things around us, for the good things in life. Now, when we talk about worship, we did talk about worshiping for who he is and what he has done. The things that he has done, especially with common grace that we talked about, are the natural gratitude and the knowledge of who he is, again, is that gracious gratitude. And everything flows from him. Every goodness, actually, and we've talked about this as well, flows from him. So we are naturally thankful in our our circumstances, and we are graciously thankful when we learn who he is. Now, if we start at that point, given our common understanding then of gratitude and appreciation and the maybe subtle difference, but the difference nonetheless in the two, I concluded as I was getting ready for this episode, that's why it's going to turn into three parts and not two, I concluded that true thankfulness, true gratitude is exclusive to Christianity. True gratitude is the purview of Christianity and no one else. And we're talking about gratitude again and not appreciation, but that thankfulness. Now, again, I'm an old man, and I grew up at the very beginning of the time when our culture was pivoting away from God and turning to thoughts like the Big Bang and evolution as universal, 
that became most common in our education. Some call it a materialistic view of the universe. And that materialistic view has carried sway for more than 50 years now. And in that life view, that materialistic view, that Big Bang evolutionary uh, type of, of worldview, we are taught that we're all just the result of coincidence. In fact, I dare say you've heard the common phrase that we and this world are a cosmic accident. Accident. I watched a, a documentary once or started to. It was a series, but I, I couldn't get through the whole thing. But one of my favorite quotes from that documentary in the very first show, when they were talking about the universe and how it exploded and how it began, the narrator of the show said that the planets truly should not have come together to form the cosmos the way that it is. And then he said, it was really interesting, and I'm going to quote him, and he said it wouldn't have coalesced into a cosmos except for, and this is the quote, mysterious forces, cosmic lightning, and luck. Right now, that's where the bulk of our culture is, is we believe we're here by an accident caused by mysterious forces, cosmic lightning, and luck. And we're nothing more than that cosmic accident. In that view, then, all the deep questions of life, all the questions that we ask ourselves, maybe sometimes only in the quiet moments of our lives or the desperate moments of our lives, the answer to the, all those questions is actually best answered in a lyric from a song way back from the olden days. And the chorus says this, You are a fluke of the universe. You have no right to be here. Whether or not you can hear it, the universe is laughing behind your back. And that's actually the, the best answer, the only answer, if you believe in that materialistic, naturalistic view of the world and cosmos. Billions and billions of years ago, a massive explosion of nothing created a bunch of stuff. Then that bunch of stuff moved together by mysterious forces, cosmic lightning and luck, and made the universe. Then in a few more billion years, another cosmic accident happened, and voila, we have life. And then a few billion years later than that, I almost said beers, a few billion years later than that, human life. Now, if you truly believe this is the way the world is and what's happened in the world and where it came from, reality is you have nothing to be thankful for and you have no one to be thankful to. Your gratitude is directed to nowhere. And when you think about it again, like I said, I thought through this, try to think through it pretty thoroughly. But when you think about it, even in our culture, our society, the way we have it right now, is arguably one of the best lives in the world. And given that, if you examine your life, one of the deep questions that's answered by us being a cosmic accident is, is the sorrows you endure here worth life that you have. And we all know pain and we all know sorrow. And the question comes, is it really worth it to be here by accident and to be nothing and to have no purpose? In my life, I've actually been pretty blessed. I haven't suffered much. Most of us probably haven't. As I'm getting older, I still haven't experienced a lot of tragedy. And yet, I am now experiencing the death of people who I love and the sorrow that comes with it, and the sadness. 
people I love, wonderful people. They've shared their lives with me. They've made my life better, measurably better because they've been in my life. And I miss them because they're gone. And what gratitude would we give or owe to the cosmos even for that sadness? Accidental, meaningless, purposeless life is not something that we would naturally give thanks to or for because we also experience the pain as well. Unbelievers then have no real reason in general to be thankful. They do have reasons to appreciate because despite their naturalistic view of how things got created, mankind is the only creature on earth that relishes the sunsets or the sunrises or that creates goodness and beauty just to create goodness and beauty. Mankind is also the only creature on the earth that doesn't just kill for its own survival, it tortures and hurts their fellow creatures. I want to get off that because I want to get off that. But we can appreciate good things in this life. We can appreciate that sunset or that person who is nice to us. But we have no one to thank for them. We have nothing to thank for them. What I've learned over sports over the years is after years and years and thousands and thousands of games, most teams have won about as many as they've lost. That's especially true in baseball. If you believe that you're only a result of mysterious, impersonal forces and still ill-defined cosmic lightning and luck... I'm probably, well, I'm guessing, but I would probably say that you don't put a lot of personal stock in luck yourself. What is gratitude to you? It's nothing. In fact, after the 50 years of taking God out and replacing him with natural forces, our culture is almost completely void of thankfulness around you, listen, listen to the people who have conversations around you, and what you're going to find is anger, bitterness, almost complete lack of logical thought. Again, that word meaningless comes to mind. Now, when we go back to our definitions from every source, every dictionary that we mentioned, thankfulness steps stems from someone doing or giving us something for which we do not owe them or are expected to pay back. And we understand that in the human realm. But in life itself, we have no reason to be thankful. And I feel really bad in saying that. But if you have that natural philosophy or gratitude, your appreciation is meaningless and shallow. What of other religious people? What of people who are religious but aren't Christians? One of the favorite things I've heard John MacArthur ever say, and he makes the point that there are actually only two religions in existence. Just two. The first one, Christianity, says God has moved from the heavens. He gave his only begotten son, and his son died for our sins and paid for every one of them. And his act saves us. We have faith in him, and, he call, as, and as he calls us to himself. And the other religion, no matter what you name it, what it's called, or even what the different tenets are. And this is why people can get confused and say all roads lead to God. They don't, but they seem to. And even some Christian Christians can explain Christianity 
with the idea that it sounds like just another religion. And in all those other religions, what people are doing is they are working in one way or another, striving to accomplish salvation through their own prideful work. They are doing something. They understand and teach that they are working their way to heaven, paradise, nirvana, whatever you want to call it. They are doing things to earn their way there. When they get there, wherever they're headed, all they are going to say is, look at the things I've done to get here. Some religions you have to beat yourself. Some religions you have to starve yourself. Some religions you have to stick yourself with needles. Almost all religions you participate in some prescribed rituals over and over again. I heard of one faker they're called in India who rolled around in the dirt his whole life. He went everywhere in the dirt to prove his devotion, to prove his humility. And the Lord was gracious and taught me a long time ago that humility always leads to service. It doesn't lead to making a spectacle of yourself and rolling around in the dirt. True humility leads to service of other people. And even if you're just trying to be a nice person, the nicest person you can be, you are working your way to the afterlife. And when you get there, why would you be thankful to any deity, as the Merriam-Webster Dictionary put it? Why would you be thankful to any deity? That deity actually forced you to work so hard, forced you to be afraid of death, forced you to be doing things to try to earn your way to heaven. Why would you be thankful to them, that so-called God? And when you examine other religions, and this is where I didn't want to get out of hand, if you examine other religions, either of two things are true, these false religions. The first is either God is capricious and you can do everything you're supposed to do and act like he tells you to act, you still may not get to heaven, paradise, or wherever it is you're going. And then the other, other thing that happens in these false religions is that that God, he or she, whatever you call it, demands of you everything you can do to work your way to salvation. And false worshipers only have themselves to be thankful. If they get any reward or if their works earn them anything, they've done it themselves. And there's no one to be thankful for. In true Christianity, if you don't know, our only claim to heaven is what God has done for us. Jesus, coming from heaven, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, bleeding for us and paying for our sins, and then calling to Him, calling us to himself, and we believe, we have faith in that. And, but we bring nothing to God. When we go to heaven, we bring nothing to God to justify our being there only thing we can throw our, do is throw ourselves down and rely on his mercies towards us. We find in the Bible, especially through his promise, promises. Thankfulness, on the other hand, is central to the Christian and to the Christian religions because we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. And we are privileged to know our Holy Creator at all, the Holy Creator of the universe, and we can know him and what he's revealed about himself. And his grace alone brings us to that salvation. We're going to look in the third part of our view on thankfulness. We do want to take a look at the extended Bible verses and passages that help us to learn thankfulness and how to express ourselves.
But for the end of the day, though, today, what I'd like to do is just take a look at two of the greatest reasons for which Christians have to be thankful. Exclusive knowledge. It's not exclusive because of who we are, but we believe it, so it becomes exclusive. It's opened to anyone. God is calling to everyone. Until you believe it, you don't have that exclusive knowledge that Christians have, and that exclusive knowledge moves us to thanksgiving. We live by faith. We live to the glory of God. And to faith, as we know in Hebrews 11, is defined as believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And we've never seen God, but we bow before him and we believe that he is. And this is gracious gratitude because it is apprehended, it is understood by faith. Talked in one of the episodes before about God's name, and his name is I Am. That's all. And that name indicates his self-existence. Now that name, I am, can be extended to other attributes. But in essence, when Moses asks him, who am I going to tell the Israelites who sent me? God said, I am, and that's all. And the Bible itself just presents God. It doesn't try to make an effort to prove God. It just presents God. And you know by now, prayerfully, that we get all our quotes from the New American Standard Bible, 1977 version. And from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, all the way to the last description in the book of Revelations, the last description of God in the book of Revelation, 22-5. And John there says, And there shall be no longer any night, and they shall not have a need for the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. God is just presented. He just is. And we, in turn, are thankful to God for being God, for being who He is, for being the great I Am, for being the Creator, being the one who given, who's given us the ability to love all those good intrinsic things that are true about human life. But He, God, the God of the Bible, is God alone. Next time we will look at uh, Psalm 100, but I did want to just read this verse from uh, Psalm 100. It's three and four, actually. And there the psalmist says, Know that the Lord himself is God, and he is the one who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. He created us, didn't make ourselves up. And one last exhortation there, I didn't put this in, but you have been gifted physically. Even when you get old enough and you're on your own and you're doing things and you're accomplishing things, he still deserves the thanksgiving because he gave you all those gifts. You didn't give them to yourself. You may hone them and make them better. And I'll bet that you have in your life. But you didn't give them to yourselves. God gave them to you. And for that, he deserves our gratitude. Our natural thankfulness, to continue to borrow from Jonathan Edward again, is cemented by that personal creation that we know. We owe our existence to him. Being thankful for that existence is actually an example of natural gratitude.
And I love David so much. You know that. Again, he gives us another clarion call, this time to thanksgiving. And he prays this way in Psalm 139. For thou didst form my inward parts. That is, weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. I've been listening to a present-day philosopher a little bit. It's been interesting. He's not a Christian. And I believe he started out as a, as a psychologist. And if you listen to him, one of the points he makes over and over again is we don't even know ourselves, let alone knowing other people. And that is true. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, but he made us. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and our thanks goes to him. And we thank our Heavenly Father for creating us and making us exactly who we are. And we should glory in that. We should thank him in that. He should hear the voice of our gratefulness to him and him alone. And again, another verse in Colossians, another two verses in Colossians. Paul is speaking about Christ and Christ and God are one. We've talked about that in the Father, or maybe we haven't, but we will. And in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, Paul says this, And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And when we consider those deep questions of life, the unbelievers are in despair because their lives are meaningless, accident, and not even a happy accident, a tragic accident, and in some places, a terribly tragically tragic accident. Believers in false religions work hard. They try their best, and they try to pretend that they're better than they are, try to convince everybody else that they're better than they are because they're trying to earn their way to heaven. The Christians, you and I, all we can do is again call out with our brother Paul. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen and amen. Glory to God for who he is and what he's done. Two Christians will spend eternity in thankfulness to the God who created everything and created us and then saved our souls by his mercy alone. In Revelation we read, Worthy art thou, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. Thank you, Jesus, for thy glorious will. We thank you for thy mercies revealed to us in your word. We thank you for the mystery of yourself revealed to us in your word. Help us, my Savior, to give you all the thanks and all the adoration due your name for who you are and what you've done. We do thank you, Lord Jesus, for our special position before thee by thy mercies only. For not only hast thou showed us thyself, but thou hast moved to teach us that you have created us. And all our thanks is due thee 
to thee and thee alone. Thank you, Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.